Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. I just missed my cue, but I made up for it. <laughs> my, name, my name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Uh, yeah, the, the season hasn't been all that fun, and uh, the games are the reason. So we'll get right into that. Uh, let's just let me just do the intros because we got a lot of we got a lot of complaining to do, and only an hour to do it in. <laughs> so uh, let's kick it off with the Athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. You know what this team feels like? It really feels like the same team like from... Like the last time I got the stomach full. Well, there you That's go. What it feels no, it feels like the same team from the heart of the 2016-17 season. So not last year, mm-hmm. but the year before that. The, year the one they, that missed the playoffs. The one that missed the playoffs. Yeah, it yeah. feels like that. And at least with that team, there was a there was at least a perception that it's like, oh, Claude and Shane Gossesbear just like aren't healthy, right? Like that's part the reason why this team is just underwhelming in every way. Like everything is just so lackluster. And and like four and five isn't a good record. It's not a horrific record, but it feels worse than that, doesn't it? Like yeah, it, it feels sure does. it feels worse. Like even during the 10 game losing streak last year, like as frustrating as that was, at least the top line was scoring and the team was outplaying their opponents for like significant stretches of those games. Like the frustration was not the team was outright playing terribly. It was that the team was looking good but just could not finish. Like it was it was frustration born out of anger. This is just like the team just looks like they're they're there but not really. Like they're there but not in spirit and like the advanced metrics suck. The penalty kill sucks. The stars aren't playing well. And when the general manager today when we talked to him when he's searching for positives in an interview and can only point to Scott Lawton by name, like you know there's an issue. And I like Scott Lawton, but he's a bottom six forward. And he's the only he's the only guy when you're when you're searching your head for a positive, it's like, well, Scott Lawton's playing well. Like, okay, there's a real problem here. That's I, I've been talking on the uh on the post games and things, and like I am proud of Scott Lawton. I'm happy he's making his mark on the league and he's doing what he has to do to really stick. And it, to his credit, he looks like a good player. He looks like he belongs. But yeah, if he's the most positive thing, you know, Not there's great. supposed to be nine, ten guys better than him. Just forwards. <laughs> if, Just forwards. More than that, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> if this if he's if he's your bright spot, there aren't many. Let's throw it now to Carcillo's mustache, Kelly Hinkle. So <laughs> You're the only one with multiple intros. I, I like it. You have Carcillo's mustache, mm-hmm. you're the spectacular mm-hmm. spectacle. Fly by herself. Fly by herself. I'm a woman of many layers. Yes. <laughs> So while we were waiting to start the show tonight, I, uh, an analogy popped into my head that I'm just going to share with you guys because it, it felt very fitting to me. You know when a car has a dead battery and you turn the key and it, it kind of makes a noise but it never really turns over and you know something's wrong? That's where my emotion about the Flyers is right now. Like I just can't summon any real emotion. I'm just bored. I'm I'm not upset. I'm disappointed. Yes, exactly. Perfect That's time for, for the dads to be in town. Yeah. <laughs> and another Such a thing, dad line. just as one of two noted Maple Leaf fans on this podcast, I've had about enough of the William Nylander drama, and it we pop- got them. Yeah, it popped up last night because Dubas was in the building, and it's just like if this wasn't Toronto, nobody would be talking about this anymore. It's just enough already. It is. I mean, he's been very good for them. The fact that he isn't signed and he's holding out is, and now he was at the game last night. He was there for a meeting. Ooh. Could be happening, fam. It's happening. I, I, I just, I find it interesting, and I would love William Nylander, but like when Travis Sanheim might be the only other positive, and that's where I'd start 
if yeah, I'm, right. If I'm Dubas, I'm they're like, not trading. I mean, look, I like Travis Sanheim a lot. If no. if the Flyers were trading for William Nylander, it would be Ghost. Oh, I would I would assume. Yeah. Like no, they, they, they said that they're saying no to a Travis Sanheim for William yeah. Nylander deal. No, it would start with Sanheim plus, and if I'm if I'm Dubas, I'm like, yo, it's Proverov or Ghost. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, yeah. Right now, guys, I, I'm trying to tell you, you put it well, you're not sad, you're disappointed. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm trying to think how I feel, and the best I can put it is, I feel like I'm Jules Winfield, because I'm trying real hard to be the shepherd. Uh, I'm trying real hard not to be over the top, and you guys know that's not a good look for me. I'm over the top guy. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of naturally uh, like that. I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous to fire a coach in the first month of the season. I do. If your coach had that short of a leash, then you didn't know what the hell you were doing July through September. Plain and simple, your plan failed. Unless you really believe what you did in those months, and uh, your team so badly underperforms your own expectations that the only conclusion you can draw is the coach is the problem. Hextall told us this team was better. He said they'd take a step this year. Every player said last year wasn't good enough and have talked about playoff aspirations beyond the first round. Not to be that guy, but playoffs... Playoffs? We're talking about the playoffs? No. Thank you, Jim Moore. <laughs> In their last 15 games, going back to the last year's playoffs, they're 6-9, and nine, which is nice, kind of nice. nice yeah. uh, that record is whatever. A stretch like that can and does happen to everyone. But in those nine losses, they've given up 49 goals and scored 14. On average, that's 5.44 to 1.56. When a best-case scenario in a loss is 5-2, to two, something else is wrong. If you're playing a bunch of 6-1, 7-0, 2 games, you weren't ready. This is a league of parity. Blowouts aren't this regular an occurrence. I fully expect this team to be better uh, than they have been and make the playoffs, but then what? When do they get better then? Yeah, we wasted half the year and then made it exciting at the end, but now we're running into what is just a better team and we're kind of spent from a ridiculous last three months. When do they actually get better? I don't know if Hackstall is the problem, but he can't possibly be helping. No team gets embarrassed this regularly. I know this team is at least good, you know? Bad teams don't make the playoffs. This team usually makes the playoffs. But way too often, they get fucking killed. Nobody is going 82-0. This team probably isn't good enough to win a cup. But if they're good enough to do something, like take the Penguins six games, and in three of them, they just weren't on their level, and in another, you had a two-goal lead halfway through the game before surrendering five straight goals, I have to imagine that some sort of change would make this team a whole lot better. The Flyers aren't this bad. Because that wasn't a seven-game series against Pittsburgh. They won two of the three games they actually competed in. But 7 nothing in Game 1 and then back-to-back 5-1 and 5-0 losses at home. They forfeited three games! Just like they forfeited the home opener. Just like they forfeited the Columbus game. Just like they allowed a point to the Florida Panthers, a team they could bat- be battling with for a wild-card berth, despite owning a three-goal lead with 22 and a half minutes left in the game. This has to stop happening. Maybe a coaching change will do that. Yeah, I can't take it anymore. Well, Bill went there. I can't yeah. take it anymore. <laughs> I don't want to fire a coach a, a couple weeks into the season. It's stupid. But this team is better in their playing. They have to be. I have to believe the talent on the ice is better and that the coach is at fault. Because people keep, oh, well, in the second half, they last year they were a top-five team. That has to be a dead giveaway that they're better than what they are. If you're good enough to play at a level of everyone who's like a Stanley Cup contender for half a year, that means you can do it for a full year. What is the problem with this team, guys? I, I, I don't want this to be the whole show because there's more going on than the coach. But when I'm walking like my dog around the development... People just stop me and go, yo, coach has to go, right? Like, when I'm in Target and people don't even know it's Bill Matz from Broad Street Hockey, guys in Jeff Carter's jerseys come up to me, and the first thing they go is, like, yo, when's Hackstall getting fired? Because I'm wearing a Flyers hoodie, so obviously I share the opinion. Like, I, I, I just, Hockey Night in Canada's Nick Kiprios reporting Hackstall's on the hot seat. Please tell me this is true. I mean, like, is he on the hot seat? I, I, I To me, that was more... Like him speculating, and also maybe with a little bit of knowledge that, like, hey, the ownership 
group wants this team to take a step, and if they're not taking a step, that could be a problem. But like, what we do know is that Hextall is, is in this guy's corner. Like, Hextall yeah. is in Hextall's corner, and he is going to back him. So if, if there's going to be a change, and I don't think there's going to be, if there's going to be a change, it's going to come from above Hextall. And it's going to basically be them either forcing Hextall to make the move, or else you're gone too, or them getting rid of both of them because I really do believe Hextall is convinced that that hack is his guy and he is the guy who is it's not just loyalty like it's not just this this weird personal loyalty like Hextall does seem to truly believe that Dave Hextall is the is the right person to bring a Stanley Cup back to Philadelphia like this is not he doesn't have he doesn't have you know compromising pictures of him it's not something to do with like you know he's best friends with his son from coaching him like he really does believe that Hextall is the guy so if 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 it's not going to happen, I don't think Hexel is going to be the one who's going to drive it. It's got to come from from above. And that's like you talk you bring up loyalty because this is an organization that was at one point known while they would make, you know, snap decisions like, oh, yeah, fire the coach three games in the season, whatever. That did happen. Like, there was a certain amount of blind loyalty and not I guess not blind. Like when Ed Snyder just allows Bobby Clark to run the team as long as he did, it's because Ed Snyder's a billionaire because of the contributions Bobby Clark made to the organization. Yeah, yeah. Like he won him two Stanley Cups and one of the best players ever. Like he thought of him like as a pseudo son. Like I, I get it. When it's just some dude you pulled out, how long can this go on? And I I've rejected the notion that it's the same team over and over because I've understand I've understood the circumstances leading up to this year. But now when we're supposed to be better and taking a step and it's the same results as previous years under Hack, what what am I supposed to think? That's the thing like we t- we talked about this a lot over the summertime that on paper this roster either through addition or subtraction is better than the roster was last season. And yet we're seeing the same kind of just garbage hockey that we saw for the start of last season. And so you there is a, an underlying there's an underlying thing here. The players are changing, the lines change, but the underlying systems and practices and all of that is coming from the coach. And if it's not working, then you I, I just don't understand how Someone who, like Ron Hextall, who you would imagine is a very smart hockey man, can look, like you said earlier, from literally from above, look at what's happening on the ice and think, yes, this is wonderful. Yeah. It's just not being executed properly. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I kind of separate the Flyers' issues so far this year into they're like two different groups of problems. There is the group of problems that are just weird to me, that, like, they can't this can't keep being a problem because it just it flies in the face of everything I believe about the players. Like I do not think Ivan Provorov is as bad. Yeah. yeah. I do not think the top line will continue to struggle. I do not think the power play will continue to struggle. Like there's I don't I don't think Ghost will continue to have off and on games. Like there are there are things on this team that I, I assume are going to improve because they just fly in the face of everything we know to be true or we are pretty sure to be true about the core of this team. Then there's the other set, and that's the stuff that were problems last year that we all talked about in the offseason and basically said, if the Flyers want to take a step, those things need to be better, and none of those things are better. The penalty kill is still garbage. The goaltending still is not good. The team is still consistently getting off to terrible starts more often than not. Like These are problems that... If you wanted to take that step forward this year, these are problems you needed to solve. And I think the first group, I think those problems will eventually solve themselves, or maybe the coaches will be involved in solving them. I'm not sure. I'm not in the locker room, you know, behind closed doors every day. But it's the stuff that was a problem last year and has clearly not been addressed that really concerns me. And the penalty kill is somehow worse. Yeah, the penalty, like, the, all we talked about was, <laughs> well, you know what? There's no way they're as bad as, it. like... Maybe they can be. Maybe. No, they're not as bad as they were last year. (laughs) They're They're worse. And these are things I want to talk about that get to my bigger issue. And, Charlie, we're going to talk about your slow starts thing um, when you had something in one of your ten observations. Yeah, we'll get to it later. And we'll get to it. we got time. But um, 
the, um, it gets to my idea that everyone's just too comfortable. When, uh, Charlie, you talk about the things that are, are still the problem. Uh, yeah, we had one of the worst penalty kills of all time last year. What did we do to change it? Nothing. Uh, nothing, yeah. And your job is safe. Like, the goaltending is an issue. Well, when Michael Neuvert had the worst save percentage in hockey, we handed him a fucking contract extension. I, I, I just... I, 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 I'm I'm at a loss at this point. Like Dave Haxtell goes through a ten game losing streak. What did they actually do to fix it? Ah, they'll play themselves out of it. Sure, but think if they won half those games, they at least have home ice against the Penguins. Yep. Like, or maybe could challenge for the division. Like, and it's just you're giving games away. It's just so many of the same problems over and over. It leads me to this idea that everyone's way too comfortable, and it gets me to this slow start thing. Um, what like last night was really my breaking point the the Monday night game. Um, at what point were the Flyers in the game against the Avs? They were just out there skating. It was like a scrimmage yeah, it was for them. Bad. I'm never effort guy. I'm really not. I try to look at what the problem is and like okay, you know they're professionals. They go out there and they try hard every night. There's just sometimes you get outplayed and that happens. But they didn't get outplayed last night. One team just showed up and the other didn't. You know what was the the like darkly comedic part of that game was that they finally like. Mi- like midway through the second period, they finally strung together like three or four exciting shifts, and then they get, and then immediately after they give up a goal. No, it was <laughs> like that's so flyers. And there were just so many like they can never build on anything. No, and, like, no, they I'll can't. Never, they can't. I, I always want to blame the goalie because I hate goalies. And like, <laughs> my, Brian Elliott was not the problem, but I think you tweeted it last night. Like, yes. You know what? They probably can't give up that break. Uh, can't give up that breakaway. Claude Giroux just can't whiff on that shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the defensemen just needs to haul the dude down, make a play on the pursuit, whatever. But like Brian Elliott, once was it Landis Cog? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once Landis Cog broke the top of the circle, you knew it was Brian going Elliott might as well just left the net. <laughs> yeah, he might do, as well do, just... a, do a Goldberg yeah, from, no, was, from Mighty Ducks that one. Was exactly. <laughs> he was Goldberg. He was like, "Fuck it, here you go." Like, he didn't even move. Dip the shoulder backhand high. Boom, goal every single time. If you go high on Brian Elliott, it is a goal one hundred percent. Like, no, last night I'm not going to blame the goalie, but make a one freaking like momentum save. I just I, yeah. I'm, I I think the problem with uh, with Elliott that he's having this season is he's put together stretches of of saves that have kept them in games that they've lost but he has this habit and the team in front of him of giving up a soft goal at the worst possible time like every goalie gives up a soft goal every now and again but he gives, he gives them up, up one every game. at the worst, po- and it's always at the worst possible time. It's never like oh Side they're winning, shot. yeah they're <laughs> winning five two, and Brian gives up a softy, and it's you know five three yeah, now. Like, okay, oh, well. that's fine. No, yeah. he's given up but, like three Michael Layton goals already. Yeah, it's not yeah, great. Yeah, and like again, I, I'm not just Monday. Like Monday's game, that isn't all on Brian Elliott. Like there's so no. many other problems. Can't blame the goalie, but that one goal just drove me nuts because like, dude, you didn't even move. Yeah, uh, and but that's what it boiled down to. It's not like. Brian Elliott, I do not think, has been bad this year. No. But, like, you're ab- you're absolutely right in the sense that the minute Landis Cog hit the blue line, you knew it was going yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Everyone in that arena knew that he was getting beat. No, that was a, as soon as as soon as Giroux whiffs on that shot, you might as well go like I'm gonna go get I'm gonna go get a beer and take a pet. <laughs> like, I know exactly what's gonna happen. Uh, so Charlie, I'm gonna get into this this slow start thing and it's a side I wanna know if the slow starts are a side effect of Hackstall wanting to keep his team's emotions in check. Uh, I've already done a bunch of monologuing already today, so I'm not gonna read this whole thing like I normally do. But Charlie, you basically made note that during April's exit interviews when Hack Hackstall made a point to say when he took the team over, he thought that this team got like too emotional and wasted emotion and wasted energy, and it led to it led to a lot of things. And we've seen it; it could go either way for this team. Yeah, you might be able to drag the Penguins into just a crazy ass game and then win it six to five, or you're just in your own head and you give up breakaway after breakaway. We've seen it go either way for this team. So Hackstall wants to keep that in check and keep his guys. And we've even heard Giroux say things like, "Yeah, I do get in my own head when Jeremy." Ronick made yeah, those yeah. comments in the offseason, I think. That was this summer. Two summers ago. Two, summers, yeah. two, yeah, summers, two summers ago. ago. Yeah, okay. Uh, we, we've even seen like Claude Giroux acknowledge that part of it, that maybe he as a leader and this whole team can get too emotional. So, Hackstall thinks he needs to keep the wasted emotion in check, 
But when you come out flat as a board at home night after night, like how is this a good thing? When you last night, they should have been desperate to come out and put on a show in front of the home crowd. They need to be coming out like a caged animal in the first ten minutes of home games. Like why does it take falling behind for this team to wake up, especially at home? They play away hockey at the Wells Fargo Center, and is it is this part on the coaches like? I have the stoic demeanor because this team is so nuts. And when Laviolette and Craig Berube started punching the glass, everyone would get wild. Well, like, so, is that the thing? Like, I, I've never cared that Dave Haxall sits himself behind that bench and doesn't make a single emotion on his face whatsoever. Like, I've never cared about that. I don't need a coach to be John Tortorella or no. Peter Laviolette. However, this idea that players having emotion is somehow a wasted effort like I want these guys to be fired up I want them to be pissed off if they're losing I want them to be super pumped if they're winning like that to me isn't wasted effort that is a thing that fires them up and gets them going and if you're telling them like I just it's it's cool if you're losing like no big deal like just chill out like no 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 get pissed I don't think that's the problem because I definitely think the team gets pissed when they're losing like when they fall behind, yeah, yeah they wake up. Yes, sometimes like they just pack it in, like that. That happened in the playoffs. You know, they yeah. they fall behind, and be, but usually there is a push. Even in the Colorado game on on Monday night, there was a push. Yeah. But it's it's not it's not when they're losing. It's when it's tied. It's when it's zero zero, yeah. and there's just like it's just kind of this this. It's almost this feeling that's like, ah, well, we'll just play our way into the game. And it doesn't really... Like, Nolan Patrick had probably the best quote. And, you know, Nolan Patrick, I, I like Nolan Patrick a lot. He's not exactly he a... the best quote? Yeah, he's not exactly... He's not an he's amazing not a wordy quote, gentleman. But yeah. he had a good one. Let me see if I can find it. Um, One sec. I, I'm, I'm sure I'll find it in a sec. Yeah, it was... Like, you see the way we play and we get down. We dominate the game. That's kind of something we need to do for a full 60 minutes. We can't just wait until we're down to start making a push like that. We're capable of so much more. I can't believe that. Was, that was a great Nolan Pasher quote. Yeah. He's 100% right. I can't believe he strung that many sentences together. <laughs> I'm not calling him dumb. He just doesn't like to talk. No, he's like, a, not a mumbler. Like, he just, you know, I mean, it may have been a little difficult to hear. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, likes yeah. to mumble. Yeah. Oh, but no, but it was I, a good quote. And I he's do, right. When I do the sounds from the locker room stuff, like the. The only one I just delete half of it is Nolan Patrick. <laughs> I'm like I I can hear and it's the, like I can hear you asking a question from halfway across the room <laughs> and I can't hear like Maddie's recorder which I assume is in Nolan's face. <laughs> right. Like oh yeah, but yeah. Um, but like I think back to the to the last time this team was really fun, which was the 2010 Cup run. That was a team full of emotion, good and bad and Oh yeah. They were on fire at all times and maybe that's a good thing. Even like and I'll think about Claude Giroux, the captain of the team, who is one of these guys that falls under the potential wasted emotion category. And he's had a lot of great moments with this franchise. Hat trick to send him to the playoffs last year, game-winning Stanley Cup final overtime goal. Like he's done some great shit. What's the best thing he's ever done? That first shift, first shift against the Penguins, yep. lay out Sidney Crosby, score a goal. Yep. How is that wasted emotion? It willed them to beat the freaking Pittsburgh Penguins yeah. in the playoffs. Come out like I want them to come out like that. If you lay the big hit, you get that big emotional goal. You go into the you go into the uh, go into the glass and fire up the crowd. Like how is that bad? That's yeah, it's what not this bad. team needs to do. And you like I get it. Maybe you can't manufacture that on a night to night basis. But when you give up the first goal every single night, eight, I don't of, know, eight of nine games start the and and, and I, the one and they I, scored the first goal was one of their worst games of the year. That, that's really yeah. true. Like I am definitely one to to push back on the you know well first goals like you could play a good first period and give up the first goal. You can yeah. play a shitty first period and score the first goal, but. When it's eight, eight of nine, nine eight games, of nine is a problem. like that this is this is an issue. And, and Hexel had a had a pretty a pretty jarring quote about this today. Like it was it, it was it was a word I've never heard used to describe poor starts, Ooh. but it was a good one. And he basically said the the NHL is too level of a playing field for us to donate the first ten minutes. Yes. Uh, yes. That, and, <laughs> and he's right. And that's my issue with the with the amount of times they've been blown out. Like. 
you know, this is a league of parity. Like the Ottawa Senators don't have NHL players on their roster, and like they don't look the work. They don't look that bad. They don't look that much worse than the Flyers. Their numbers, their, yeah. their advanced metrics of five yeah. on five, better than the Flyers. I yeah. mean, Montreal is currently above Boston yes. in the standings right now. Like, so, and again, I expect all that. To even yeah, yeah out, it will. Just like I expect the Flyers to figure this out and make the playoffs, but figuring it out and making the playoffs, I was told we're better than that yeah. now. That's the that was last out, year. That's right. Figuring it out and making the playoffs is twenty sixteen and. 2018 not now i'm just i'm i'm beyond i was i because i was with the plan from the time hextall took over i've been with the plan and i understand the circumstances because i know how bad this team was yeah when baruby and holmgren were in charge i get it i understand where we had to get and what to get to the point we are but now it's time to make a turn guys we can't the dead end dead end ahead time yeah. to, it's like all right all right. <laughs> well, I just before we move on, I want to talk about this offense for a second. This was something remember when I was going on that rant about like there are th- the problems from last year are still problems for this year. I forgot about this one, but this one qualifies. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. Another one. Uh, I just want to. How do they ever expect to score with this perimeter offense? Like consistently oh. score. They don't challenge in the tough areas because everyone calls the tough areas the corners and st- the front of the net. That's the tough area. No. The tough areas are playing in the slot. Mm-hmm. Play where goals are scored from. Sure, they won the shot battle on, uh, what was it, What today's Tuesday, so Monday night. But 17 of their 38 shots came from defensemen. That's 45%. Yeah, Colorado lost, but only thirty. Uh, Colorado lost the shot battle, but only thirty-three of their thirty-three uh, percent of their shots came from defensemen. Of course, they converted on a higher percentage because they were taking higher percentage shots. It's not lo- this offense isn't just low to high; it's outside to inside. They work. They have to work so hard to mm-hmm. get pucks just on net. They either have to complete multiple passes, hope to get a point shot through, and fight for a rebound or deflection, or every now and then someone may actually have to shoot on the rush. I look at that that Matt Nieto goal last night, Colorado's second goal of the game. Nieto collects a turnover, gets it in deep, and cycles it to Calvert. But then they didn't stay on the perimeter. Calvert takes it behind the net, works within the little octagon, not octagon, what the hell is that thing called? Trapezoid. trapezoid. Yeah, I don't know geometry. Works, <laughs> works within the trapezoid for a few seconds and then walks it out to the dot and then lays one out for Nieto who scores from the high slot. That's where you have to take a lot of your shots from, from those areas. It went in because that's where you score goals from. It was a great shot and a great play. The Flyers never play inside the dots. Everything is perimeter, and it's mostly the low to high stuff. But even, like, it's, I get it on the power play. Yes, Drew is out there. You want to spread out the defense. You have more guys from them, and theoretically it opens up the middle of the ice. But 5-on-5, five five, you have to make an effort to get there. The only legal defense anymore is blocking shots. It's the only way to play yep. defense. You're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to hit guys. You're not allowed to play D with your stick. The only way to play defense is to block shots. So you know what the Flyers are going to do? Shoot from as far away as humanly possible. That's not going to work. That's why they get blown out, because they have very little chance of scoring consistently on, on a night-to-night basis. And what's frustrating is we explained this away by saying that it was because he couldn't trust his goaltenders, and so he wanted everyone to play on the outside so that you prevented breakaways or whatever the fuck we said two seasons ago when this was still a problem. And that's not the issue now. But here's like the my... defense is good now. The goalies are is okay the... <laughs> now. No, well, they're better. They're more. They're like, better they than should they should were. Be yeah. they they're should better. They're better. But here's my other problem with that explanation. This keep the odd man rushes and breakaways keep, keep happening, happening. Yeah, because we're letting it. Because when everything is, let's get the puck down low and then let's put it up high. One deflection. It's a two on one at best. Yeah. Like last night. The Giroux, yes, it was off a face-off and everything, but still, when Giroux's the only high man and the whole offense is, let's get down and crash the net and take a shot from up high, guess what's going to happen if he whiffs on the shot? Uh, exactly what happened. A breakaway. I, it's not going to work. What they're doing offensively will never work. Not consistently. Yeah, like... There are things that they do when they're playing well. Like last year, they they were a pretty good goal scoring five on five team, not a great 
goal scoring five on five team. It, this this is a thing. You know, the when they get set up in the offensive zone, they look to blast away from the point. That is their default. When they're playing well, though, what they're doing is they're creating on the rush. And I know everybody screams about you know they overpass, they overpass, and I get it. Like there's nothing more frustrating than watching you know them not get a shot off on a two on one because it happens. But what I will, what I always say about that is that you, what you don't remember are the two on ones where the extra pass resulted in a goal. Because when that happens, you just operate under the well. It was destined to be a goal. It was yeah. a two on one. You remember the ones that didn't work. You don't remember the ones that did because that was just obviously going to be a goal because that's what happened. So far this year, they're not even doing that. Like the passing, that's been something underrated that I've noted a couple times. The passing this year has been off, literally mm-hmm. from game one. That's and I get like what this team is. And- and how they're made up. They have to that's how they create offense. Yeah, they, they have to. They pass to create offense. Minus a sniper, uh they move the puck and make the extra pass, get the defense going side to side, get the goalie going side to side and then look for slam dunks. And they and they lost their volume shooter four periods into the yeah. season. And that and that's, they look <laughs> to go and get one of those goal scorers and of course, yes, four periods into a five-year contract, he's out for four to six weeks. So like that's an issue and I get it. But when you have when your whole offense is predicated on stringing together multiple passes and completing one let alone two or three is like the hardest thing in the world for them you're never going to score yeah. you're just not I, I, yeah and that's the thing that has been frustrating us for a long time is that it doesn't seem like Dave has the ability to adjust to any of these things like no. if that's your plan and you find that your players aren't completing passes maybe switch it up a little bit I will say this, like, that might work. They are scoring. They're scoring, in all honesty, they're scoring more goals than I feel like they should be. Probably. And and that's it. That's. Probably the reason why that's you know how I said at the beginning of the show that it feels like they're worse than four and five. Yeah. yeah, they've played. That's probably why because I look at it as I don't think they should be scoring this many goals. Like they they're giving up about as many goals yeah. as I yeah, think they lot. should be. Yeah, but to me the way that they're trying to produce offense and the way that the, the how off their passing has been for significant sections of games. I'm shocked they've scored as many goals as they have, <laughs> which worries me because it's like, well, if they don't get better, that this could get worse. Like this, this could oh, get God. worse before it gets better because I don't think they're like how many how many goals do they have this year? They have a fair amount. Like a couple games ago, they were averaging like over three goals a game, which is significantly better than last year because it would have been over like 270 goals over a full season. Yeah. I'm like, they're not they're not looking that good. I just feel like their numbers are a little inflated because they put up seven on Ottawa and six, yeah. and six, including the shootout winner on Florida. Like I just think they've had two big games. Yeah, thirty-one goals in in nine games. So that's still over three goals a game. Yeah, that's pretty high. I mean, there's they actually they've scored more goals than every team in the Metro except for the Capitals. That's awesome. And they're still <laughs> one of the worst teams in the division because they've given up more goals than every team in the Eastern Conference. So I, wanna, or, I well, except for Detroit. But wanna, are, are they really a hockey team? No. I want to no. <laughs> Detroit. Uh, I want to move on to the actual players on the ice because, like I said, I believe Dave Haxtall to be a problem, but there's there's more going on, and there actually are a couple of good things we to got talk some good about. Stuff. Uh, Charlie alluded to it. Like, is it actually a good thing that Scott Lawton is standing out this much? But I mean, it's not, but he's still standing out, and that is a good thing. Let's talk about second-line left winger Scott Lawton. God bless. It was a wacky road to get here, huh? It sure was. Oh, man. Like, again, I'm proud of Scott Lawton doing what he's done, putting in the work to make himself an NHL player, putting his stamp on it, and, like, now he's 24. He's saying, I'm here, and I am an NHL player, and I'm going to be a productive one. But, uh... Guys, if he's if he's what we're pointing to as our as our primary reason for hope, that's not good. He's our dark days, <laughs> but but he is playing. It's not just like he's the least bad player on the ice. He is actually no, playing very good. well. Yes, yeah, yes. And, which is nice because, like you said, he's put in a lot of work. And for a long time, it didn't seem like he was ever going to find a place on this team. And this, if he can play up and down the lineup and go from center to wing, then he might have a spot as, you know, just floating around, filling no, in where he needs to be. If he is a really good utility player, the way we've talked about Michael Roffel, uh-huh. you know, he's a UFA after this year. He's going to be 30 soon. Don't expect to see him back. Of course, he's out. Uh, I guess we can mention that. Michael Roffel, four to six. Is that what it was? Yeah, uh, four, four to six. six. Yeah. Four from to, yeah. from what I gather, it like an ankle. from what I gather, it's a broken ankle, like a uh, broken bone in his ankle. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Brad Keffer put the screenshot of his ankle. Uh, in the, it was in bending in the wrong chat. way. Yeah. And at first, I'm like trying to decipher which skate was which, and I was like, oh, okay, that's... And then I looked at the position of his body and was, oh, that's 
he's that his foot's pointing the wrong direction. Yeah, <laughs> that isn't right. good. So it looked like he, he he has some sort of ankle thing. So these, you know, line shuffling again. Uh, I mentioned. I think you know. I really have liked this. Uh, this Limblom wheel connect me line, and a lot of it is because they do the thing I like play below the goal line. <laughs> they possess the puck below the goal line, get the goalie looking over his shoulder. I said, Oh, look, Limbaum popped out, popped out on the other side and has a slam dunk goal. Imagine that. Like, uh, uh Jordan Wheel at 3C, again, it's what we were told was going to happen. You know, all all training camp and all summer, and then it was a wacky road to get here. Verobiev scratched. We've had some injuries and stuff, and now all of a sudden, Jordan Wheel back where he belongs, eh? Yeah, I mean, he got himself an opportunity with Verobiev not playing well, and he's taking advantage of it. So good on him. It'd be nice if he stopped taking penalties, though. He's it taking a be. lot that, of that, penalties. That'd be cool. Good lord, that's he's got to move his feet. Like, and I'm a, I'm a Jordan Wheel guy. I want Jordan Wheel in this lineup. I, he's a creative guy with the puck on his stick. I think he's creating a lot of opportunities for that offense. And once they really start clicking, really get some chemistry, I think uh, those three can put up some goals. But yeah, man, stop defending with your stick. It's illegal. Yeah, like Hack had an interesting quote. Um, he had a couple. He actually, Hack was surprisingly. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of the right word here, like self-critical of himself and of the team. Like he was just critical. He was critical of the team and critical of himself more so than usual. And he talked about the uh, the wheel penalty because I, I don't know if you guys picked this up on on the TV broadcast, but at the end of the first period, he was barking at the ref. And we were all the press was, we were all just kinda like, why is he yelling at the ref? Like what the heck would pissed him off so much about what you know what the officiating was in the first period? Like you guys played like garbage, not the ref's fault. And he kind of hinted that the reason why he was barking at the ref was that he thought that the wheel penalty in the first period was bullshit. And he said, I, I, I in real time it looked like it was it was a bad pet, it was it was a you know, a weak call. He said, I went back and I looked at it, I'm like, Nope, that's a penalty. That you know, he they were right. That was a dumb penalty that our guy took. And like he's like, look, yeah, Jordan, don't maybe hook That's, the guy and the, move your feet. The one game he had the three penalties, and I was like, ah, yeah, but the one was that bullshit embellishment when he just fell. Like, yeah, right, yeah. Right. and the one was like a crappy interference yeah. call that really wasn't. So uh, okay, but now it's become. Oh, you're 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 taking a couple of game now, eh? Like that's this is what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, it's a lot. You need to not do this because again, and now again, if if the Limblom wheel Konechny line is your best line, you might have other problems. Yeah. But your center in our best line right now, maybe don't spend four minutes a game in the penalty box. That's bad. It's we a, need you on the ice. It's not ideal, and <laughs> and. Like I'm happy with with otherwise what I've generally seen from Wheel. He he looks yeah yeah he looks like kind of he kind of looks like the guy from from preseason, but just with a little bit more offense, which is nice. That's um I I do the I put together the sounds from the locker room from the uh, from the Florida the Florida shootout win. And yo, talk to Jordan Wheel after every game. He enunciates. He expands on his answers. So, and he talked about the move that he put on the goalie and how the goalie's a wrong-handed goalie. So he was able to do like a lefty move that like he he loves that Jake does the dip like he's going to beat him to the post and then tap mm-hmm. it in five hole. And uh, he was finally able to do it because you have to be able to come. Oh out. yeah, yeah. That yeah. shootout story was cool. Yeah, that it, was that it was a really cool, story. cool. Like he was yeah. able to just keep talking about it. And then someone asked him a couple of years ago, "Are you practicing?" that on Mason a lot. And he just laughed. <laughs> Killed me. I was like, oh man, he must have been torturing Mason with that. <laughs> like it was just great. But I'm really liking Jordan Wheel, and he's another guy. Like he's put in the work. I want to see it continue. Just stay out of the box, Jordan. Yeah, no, I yeah. remember I remember when he uh when they got him, like right after they traded for him in the Vinny deal, I had a really good conversation with him. This was God, it was years ago. Uh, but a really good conversation with him about the Flyers system because, you know, he had just gotten on the team. It was like a weekend, and I started talking to him like about what, you know, what the details of the Flyers system was. And it it really impressed me. Not to say that like all hockey players are dumb, but some of them are dumb. And it was very clear talking to Jordan Wheel that he is not dumb. And that, they like, they, like talk. he was yeah. you know, a week into his time with the you know, this was at a practice yeah, though, yeah. so they talk a little bit more about it. But this was a week into his time with the Flyers, and he was talking very in a very detailed manner about about like not the strengths and weaknesses of the system, but like 
the clear distinctions between what they did in LA versus what they were doing in Philly. And it was it was really enlightening from a you know from an outsider's perspective, particularly somebody like me who really didn't play much hockey, you know, hearing about neutral zone four checks and, and offensive zone four checks and him just really being able it was almost like he was like writing a college essay, like mm-hmm. compare and contrast the LA system to the Philadelphia system. Mm-hmm. Like this guy is smart and the the big thing that everybody's always said about him is that he just like he's kind of like a Drew in the sense that he gets in his head too much. And you know, he'll after practices sometimes, you can tell when he does not think he had a good practice because he just sits there. He just sits there and just like if he was like friggin' like Cyclops, like he would literally like burn a <laughs> hole through the through the floor because he just sits there and stares at the floor. And you can just kind of you can see the wheels turning in his head, like him kind of walking himself through every single thing he did in practice that he wasn't happy with. So wheels, he, wheels. Well, he's just a guy who I I want to see him succeed because yeah. I know yeah. how much he cares and I want to see him succeed in the NHL. I wasn't sure if he was going to, and I'm still not sure if he's going to, but it's nice when he gets on a run like this mm-hmm. because he's he's a guy who I like I like rooting for. And we got him for Shannon Vinny. For it's Shannon such Vinny. a it's such a win yeah. when that kind of stuff works out too. Uh real fist real fast on the lines. I think there's bigger problems in the combinations, but uh Simmons at first line right wing, how do no. you feel about that? No. Kelly's really anti this. I don't like it at all. I just don't think he's the kind of player that fits with those other two. Yeah, I kind of felt as if they put it together for, what was the first time they were together? Columbus? It was the Devils game. The Devils game, that's yeah. what it was. Uh, I kind of feel like they put it together for that game so they'd be able to have it together for Colorado and Boston because you're going to want a line match and you know he's the tough guy to play against. You're going to want Couturier out there. You don't split up Couturier. Now you have your three maybe best two-way forwards on a line. I kind of thought that way. So you know why I thought they put it together? And again, this is without any inside information whatsoever. This is just my theory was that I think it was punishment for Voracek because Voracek in that mm. Columbus game was bad defensively. Yeah, he was, he went, was bad. I, th- I think you put it in Slack or tweeted it how he just on the one Atkinson goal, he didn't take a single stride. After the yeah. after, after he hit the blue line, did not take one stride. Yeah. He just glided. It. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I have no yikes, problem with Jake. them demoting Voracek. I just don't think Simmer was the way to go. On the top line. I mean, and I know that the Limblom wheel connecting line is playing well, but I would like to see them put Konechny back. Well, today, today he was wearing, Konechny was wearing the orange jersey. Now, oh, okay. Drew did not, did not practice. Apparently him and Nolan are under the weather. So mm. they were both out. Um, but Couturier was wearing orange. Orange is always the color. In pra- if you ever go to practice, orange is always the color of the top line. Mm-hmm. Like that comes with a certain prestige. The forwards wearing orange are the top line forwards. And today it was Couturier and Konechny. So that's implying to me that Konechny will play the next game on the top line. Speaking of demotions, Misha Vorobiev. Uh, I get it. He tried. You know what? A, a third, fourth line center come out of the come out of the lineup. If he had a bunch of ineffective games, I don't have a huge problem with it. However, when it becomes the Sandheim treatment, where it's just like, yeah, you're in the dungeon. We have yeah. we have you chained to the press box. Uh, you're not even allowed to get up to get Reese's Pieces and Tim Horton's <laughs> coffee. Uh, like, w- w- what are we yeah, doing here, down. guys? Like, how is it that? Dale Weiss and Yuri Laterra and Corbin Knight get nonstop chances, but since since Robiev's young, it's just like, yeah, we'll see him when we see it, if ever again. Yeah, it's a problem. Like you, the I get the I've resigned myself to the fact that they think that this one or two games watching from above is going to make you better. Okay, fine, but like with Sanheim. It's not good to let them sit. They need to play. Yeah. If you want them to get better, they need to play. So if you're not going to play them, send them down. And it's like just, now. It's another one of those things. Like, if you thought he was good enough. Oh, man, I just locked my screen. If you <laughs> thought he was good enough to make the team out of camp, a couple of ineffective games shouldn't be enough to sway you. No, put him like, back you, in. If, you either believe in what you're doing or you don't. And okay, you sit him a couple of games, whatever. Put him. Like, okay, now the Raffle injury. Raffle's out four to six weeks. Tell me I'm not going to see a Weasel Terra nightmare. Oh, I think oh, it's absolutely going to be I think, I think, I think Charlie, don't tell me this out. shit. 
Look, I mean, I'm just, I'm just giving you my, my opinion, not of what I would do. You and but Dave Isaac make the lines, <laughs> goddammit. That's only on Isaac. Don't, don't pin that on me. <laughs> no, um, no, with you know what I, I go back to with this Verubiev conversation because it reminds me, it's not exactly the same, but it has a lot of the same concepts. Is the conversation we had last December about Elliot, and it's the idea of the goaltender treatment where it's like I just noticed that gritty. Show. <laughs> yeah, I put that up for. <laughs> Figure we add a little bit to Facebook Live. Thank God. For, for those not watching on Facebook Live, they gave out a free gritty shirt at the game. So for those watching on Facebook Live, I hung the gritty shirt on the, the sound thing. That's great. Uh, anyway, so remember how last December when they played Elliot for the entire month of December, we were like, okay, I can understand why before every game if Hacksaw is looking at each game in the vacuum and saying, Brian Elliott gives me the best chance of winning, I'm putting him in. And then he, he does that for 20 straight games. And then lo and behold, Brian Elliott plays for 20 games. Maybe he was right that every game they were better off with Brian Elliott in, but you do it every single day and you make it more likely he's going to get hurt, which eventually happened. This is kind of similar in that, like, right now, does Jordan Wheel give you a better chance to win a game rather than Mikel Vorobiev at 3C? Probably. However, it's probably better for the team over the course of the season that you don't sit Mikhail Vorobiev for three weeks and then when then when somebody does get hurt and he has to come back in, he's cold. Like, sometimes, maybe take a little bit of a hit. Like, a little bit of a hit in one game to make sure that your people are in the rotation and they're not super cold and they're not, you know, haven't played for a month and a half, especially in the case of a youngster like Vorobiev, who, even more so than a veteran, needs to play hockey. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. If you're going to let somebody get cold, let Laterra get cold. Let Weiss get cold. Like- <laughs> and, like, that's the thing. I have, again, I've said I have wiped the slate clean with Yuri. And, he's been fine. And yeah, no, if, if if he's a staple on my fourth line and the other two guys are, are guys that I think actually belong in the lineup, cool, whatever. I'll deal with it. But now we have the injuries and everything. Like, how. All right, Jordan Wheel can't play line four. We've decided that's just not a thing the coach is going to do, whatever. I mean, feel free, to, feel free to strongly disagree with it, but like, that's yeah, just yeah, the reality. No, that's, yeah. no I, I, I disagree. Why not have. Why not have your 18 best skaters regardless of role? That's I don't, crazy talk. I'll never understand it. Uh, but I thought Vorobiev would kind of be immune to, like, isn't he the kind of guy who can play fourth line? Like, yes, yeah. he has good vision and he's a skilled passer, but the thing we liked about him was he was a two-way player with a good hockey. Eye. Like, isn't he the dude who should be the fourth? I don't... Do you don't, think that's what it is, that they... They say that he's a top nine or, or nothing like wheel. You know what I think the, the big issue is? And I talked about this in the article I wrote uh, yesterday, was published uh, Tuesday morning, um, is that he's not on the penalty kill. I think that's mm. what it boils down to. And Hack has this idea that his fourth line center has to be in the penalty kill rotation. That that's, oh, that's the role. That the role of fourth line center, it's like, you know, that is a prerequisite for the role is that you have to kill penalties. Oh. And because they are not using Vorobiev to kill penalties, he cannot be 4 why not use him to kill people? <laughs> I know, it's a bold strategy. But, but that's, like, that's the shit that drives me nuts. Uh, this whole training camp, when this when this Corbin Knight thing started, all training camp, we just kept hearing, oh, you know what, Corbin Knight, he's a good penalty killer. He's going to fix the penalty kill, He's, he's going to help man. out with the penalty kill. And then he draws into the lineup, and he plays zero minutes and zero seconds the penalty, on the penalty yeah. kill. Uh, what, what, what are we doing here? If he's not doing that, what's his place in the lineup? Like, I don't, I just... They do so much shit that contradicts themselves and then go, well, you just don't know about hockey. Like, well, neither do you because you haven't won a playoff series since 2012. <laughs> well, that, that's the best part about the, like, this, and this is, again, this is just a theory, but it's just based on the way they've used the four C's in the past. The four, fourth line center has always been a penalty killer. Always. Like, Lawton was a penalty killer. Yeah. Belmar was a penalty killer. Letera's a penalty killer. It's always a penalty killer. And there's this feeling of, like, well, the fourth line center has to be a penalty killer, and with Letera, I guess he's a penalty killer, but is, is he, he actually good, good at? Yeah. No, <laughs> he's not. Like, and he hasn't been bad this year, on the whole. Yeah. But like everyone, he's been bad on the penalty that's kill. The, like, so maybe he just shouldn't be on the penalty kill because he's slow as molasses. That's what drives me nuts. Is like, oh yeah, well we need these guys because they kill penalties. No, they don't. They yeah. allow goals on the penalty. You kill. put them on the penalty yeah. kill. That doesn't mean they kill penalties. You they are, are the actually coach. not doing that. You are the coach. You determine everyone's role. You can. Make me a fucking penalty killer if you want it. Yeah. Like, you make I up just, the roles, buddy. They're hard to find. It just drives me 
absolutely. Like, it's why can't you, why can't you swap Laterra and Verbiev on the penalty kill? Well, imagine how bad it would be. Well, look how bad it how is now. How much worse could it be? <laughs> I really, honestly, have started to believe they should just uh, concede. Just say no. Just get. We're not going. Just give Declined. themselves. Just Thank give, you. Give themselves more time to come back and just concede the goal whenever they take a penalty. <sighs> Ivan Provorov. Uh, what is what the is matter? They've broken know. up Ghost and Provy. Uh, those two together have, uh, were one of the most effective defensive pairs in the league from the time they got put together last year through the end of the season. Of course, Provorov suffered the injury in the playoffs, wasn't very good. Are we just blaming that, or is there something else up with Ivan Provorov? Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, does it seem like maybe he could be hurt? Like, if you're watching he him in practice, be. does it seem like he's favoring something or not? Doing something like no, help me. No, it no. doesn't. That that's oh, the thing. It really doesn't. That's and bad. and I guess it's possible. Like it, you know, they've they've definitely let players play through injury before, so it is possible. But I don't know. Like he uh, to me physically, like aside from the obvious mistakes he's making, it doesn't strike me as like that he's physically off like he's he's missing passes is that because his shoulder is tweaked or is that just because he's missing passes like he, i don't know i like, i've no like, he carries the puck in a bit of an odd way but he's anyway, always done that but he's always yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. i'm saying like he does it anyway so i'm thinking maybe like he's trying to protect his sh- i don't know i don't know what the issue is but he needs to figure that shit out because as many problems as i have with a lot of the things going on with this team it was built with the idea that we have a number one defenseman and his name is ivan provorov without that as we've seen in years past prior to ivan provorov if you don't have the number one defenseman it really doesn't like that's one of the three key pieces yeah you, know, you need a number one center you need a number one defenseman and you need a number one goalie and if now they don't have two of those three things and Sean Couturier is playing with a torn MCL this is a bad team yeah that's the thing if if Ivan Pro if this is the real Ivan Provorov which I don't think it is but if it were then nothing is going to happen with this team like that's it like yeah. we're done yeah yeah and this was a concerning this quote threw me on uh, on Saturday, this is, uh, we were talking about this before the show that you know really I should have seen Monday night's game coming because even after the win on Saturday, so many players are just speaking in really what can only be called delusional terms about their recent play. I love when Charlie gets like real matter of fact because that's how I know it's that's how I know I'm not being over the top. Yeah, right. When Charlie's like, no, they suck. <laughs> I know I'm not crazy, but. Like Provorov, it just like I kind of just took a step back when he said this, and I was like, "Really?" Because this was the <laughs> quote, and it was, "I don't think I played bad this year. I think it's just a few bad bounces, a little bad luck, but overall, I think I started good, and I'm going to continue to get better and go from good to great." Like, really? Oh, buddy, really? Because 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 you haven't. Like, no. I'm sorry, you haven't, and and I, I love you, man. But you haven't. Yeah. I don't know who's telling you this, but you haven't played well. Not good. You haven't been close to playing good. Uh, like I, I guess the they did need to break up that line, which I didn't want to admit for a long time because no, the I'm, potential yeah. is so high. The potential of having Ghost and Provorov together is so high. I didn't want to split it up. And they were so good last year. But yeah, they were so good last year. And I just wanted to stick with it, but it just wasn't working. Uh-uh. Uh, but something that drove me a little crazy about uh, about Hackstall was the I don't remember if you, I saw the quote from you or somewhere else, Charlie. But when it, they I th- it might have been Dave Isaac who actually tweeted. Oh, it. is this the rolls thing? Yeah, yeah, like, the Sanheim Gudas. Yes, yeah, Sanheim Gudas yeah. yeah, have been Dave. great. They've been absolutely they've been our best D pair. But that's not a reason to give them more ice time. What happened to earning ice time? Like what yeah. happened to players playing well move up? Be, like yeah, they're our most effective. Yeah, we're going to continue using them like a third. Pair. That kind well, of thing you're makes my putting, head hurt. You're purposefully hurting the team. I I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, this is you know what this boils down to. This boils down to they like they really they certainly trust him more than last year, but they still, still really don't trust, don't trust Anaheim. Like that that's what that's the only explanation. Unbelievable to me. He was one of their best. Would you say two or three skaters on the ice last night, if not the best? Yeah, yeah. No, he, he probably was the be- he probably had the best game of any of the skaters. I would agree with that. And even and he got to to their credit, he got more ice time. He did. He did, which actually, was good. Yeah. I was surprised. I because, think they used him the third most. Yeah, you. I think tweeted something about the fact that he was playing well, and I actually went to NHL.com to 
show you that they weren't playing him very many minutes. And I was like, oh wait, they actually yeah, play. he got the uh, the second most five on five minutes of a defenseman. I think he got second. the third the third most overall yeah. minutes after uh, after Ghost and Provorov, who like they might not be playing their best, but they should be getting the first and yeah. second most yeah. minutes. And Ghost plays a majority of the power play. Yeah, and Provorov yeah. kills every penalty. H- however, and, and this this should show you this like. Sandheim got a lot of ice time in this game. A lot of ice time. However, even with that lots of ice time, he spent only a minute and 15 seconds against Nathan McKinnon. So, like, even when they give him a lot of ice time, they are still sheltering him. They still do not trust him against top-line competition. And... I don't know. Maybe that's the right move. Maybe this whole season, from a Travis Sanheim standpoint, is let's build up Travis Sanheim's confidence so much that eventually, you know, maybe forty games in, we can up his 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 level of competition. But in the short term, he's a guy who we've determined just he needs that. He needs to build up that that mentality that I can dominate anyone before we actually put him up against anyone. Maybe, like maybe that's just the route that they felt is the best route to go. But in the short term. He's not facing top lines ever. And here's my issue with that. Yes, maybe that's a good way to build his confidence, get him going, turn him into the player we thought we were drafting uh, you know, in 2014. Cool. They should have been doing that last year. Yes. Because this was the year we were supposed to take a step. And your 2014 first-round draft pick has to be a major contributor on a team that takes a first step. That's just the way it is. Uh, And it's just more of this, uh, we're saying one thing and doing another. It's driving me nuts. So I want to move on to a bit of a more positive note on the blue line. We did it again, fam. Uh. I went on a rant, and the Flyers listened. You all supported me, unlike the Tyrell Goldborn thing. That's you true. You all supported me last week when I went on my Andrew McDonald rant. Lo and behold, he's out of the lineup. Of course, he's been replaced with Christian Fullen, uh. so not not a huge step. A small victory. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm taking some credit for this, too. because sitting him. Because yes. I was the one who was like, yes. I think he's hurt, and maybe you just got to give him some time to rest. And even if that even if that involves putting Christian Fullen back in, like just let the guy get healthy and that's pretty much what they're doing you guys are wizards Folan has been not good on some nights he looks good. He's had a couple good games. He's yeah. just also had a couple yeah. really, really he bad ones. It. He's had like two. <laughs> he? He's had like two Johnny Oduya games and two passable games. I would say. I just feel like you're if you're comparing a game to the game in which he fell down by <laughs> his own power and led to a goal against. Oh like maybe God. compared to that, he had a good game. But I, I wouldn't like, say objectively. No, there was that. There was that one game. What was it? The Florida game. Where he actually was good, he had that long flip stretch pass that yeah. created a goal. Yeah. I thought he was actually good in that game. Lucky, and then he responded Probably. with the Columbus game where yeah. he he tripped over his own new feet. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> like, oh the, my god! The so Anthony bad. Duclair goal in the Columbus game where Folan oh, yeah. and Haig were both standing over him as he's sitting on his ass, puck handling around them. I have no time for either. I know that Robert Haig got off to a better start, but that was inexcusable. That was inexcusably bad. I don't care if you have to kick the guy in the face if you're standing next to him and he is on the ground puck handling around you, you're not good enough. And both of them were there and just allowed it to happen. I may never ever get over that play. I, I, I've never seen anything. That was a bad one. I've never seen anything great. like it. And like it was on Sports Center top ten. It was all this like it was some amazing highlight. I'm like no, they're standing there letting it happen. Tackle him. Do something to not allow someone to score a goal from their ass. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> you got to stop those ones, fam. I've just I've never been uh, I've never and then that whole even though they scored the first goal and were leading two one after one that's one of the games I say they forfeited this year because it was never close they didn't try hard enough in that game I, 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 it, was, at, it was not a fun game I'm I'm at a loss for so many of the things going on with this team um, a lot of it defies I gotta, explanation I got so. and uh, again I'm not gonna go too hard on Brian Elliott because I don't think last night was his fault but I don't and think I he's will been, fight you I don't think he's been good by any means. Uh, there's so many problems with this team. I don't think Dominic Hasek and his prime could, could win with this team. Mm-hmm. But it, he's not good either. And I just want to know, how long does one position plague a team for... How does one position plague a team for 
so damn long. So uh, I, I went back and looked at the goalie's save percentage ranks, and I realized there's a ton of ways to evaluate goalies, but I wanted to just have one stat. Yeah, save percentage is probably yeah, the, save, the best yeah. basic one. Yeah, it, it's the most basic. It's, it's the easiest. So I looked at goalies who started at least 35 games since that Flyers playoff streak started in 94-95 and looked at where the Flyer who had the highest save percentage among their goalies ranked. Last year, 25th. 31st, oh, Steve. 19th. Steve Mason had a year with third in 2014-15. Uh, but before that, 15th, 36th. Uh, that was during a lockout year, so it was goalies with tw- at least 20 starts. A uh, year before that, 27th, 18th. 2009-10, no Flyers goalie played 35 games. And they got to the cup final. They got yeah. the- <laughs> it was a problem. Uh, oh, man, six- this organization. 16th, 12th, 30th. Uh, they actually had Marty Beer on that year. He was 26th, but he only played 16 games with the Flyers. Uh, before that, 26th, 12th, 3rd, 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 3rd. And they were, ran him out of town. Those were Romanchek Monik and one Brian Boucher year. Uh, Romanchek Monik was pretty awesome in the regular season. A great regular season goal. Yeah. My God. I mean, He just his, was a mess in the playoffs yeah, was, and his teammates hated yeah, him. His, his teammates hated him. <laughs> they weren't really built to compete with those Ottawa Senators teams. They, they He left the ice <laughs> in the middle of one game. It was a goddamn mess. Uh, before that, 23rd, 11th, 19th. Ron Exel actually had a year with 5th. Before that, 25th. My God! They've never had a good goalie. So here's the thing, though. Like, Goaltenders are luck. You don't know what you're getting when you're drafting them. You don't know what they're going to be from year to year. We've seen that with a, a number of really good goaltenders in the league this year. And you, there aren't that many that are game changers, in my opinion. They just don't exist. You, the team in front of the goaltender is much more important than the actual goaltender. And if you're getting, I don't know, 15th best, 16th best, 12th best. That's good enough. Oh yeah, that's to win games if you're playing well in front of them. And the problem with the Flyers has been historically that when they've gotten a goaltender that's been pretty good, better than bad, they've had a shit team in front of them and nothing ever happens. So yeah. it's, it's Sergey Bobrovsky, you know, his uh his 9-15 was 18th. If he just played the way he played in the regular season, that would have been fine. Yeah. You know, Mason had the one year where he was third, but his 9-17 his 9-18, 15th, 19th, like that's good enough to win if he just plays that well in the in the, in the postseason and the team plays well in front of him. There's more problems than the goalie, but it's just like goddamn, how does this keep happening? Why can't they get one? Crap shoot. Yeah, I mean, you say you could say it's luck and to a degree it is. But is it because <laughs> this team is the worst luck then when it comes oh, to goalies? Absolutely. I mean, granted, part of it is that they make their own bad luck, considering yes. like giving up on Sergei Bobrovsky, yeah. who was going no, to be a great goalie, go, but we need to get go, Briz. We're just going to go give Briz nine years, even though we just had like the best rookie goalie performance. Yeah, since Pelly they definitely whatever. made a lot of bad decisions when it came to goaltending, but also. Bad All right, teams guys, that. Is all the time we have for you on yelling about the Flyers this week. <laughs> uh, hopefully, hopefully they do that turnaround thing, and we're happy next week. Uh, for Charlie, for Kelly, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah. Who's gonna score a hockey goal? Our team. No one does more hockey than our boys. The Flyers. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat. 
from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs>